Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. So welcome guys to Basilea. Uh, my name is Brady. As a good friend of mine once said, I'm one of the people in this room right now. Uh, guys, so if you're just coming in, uh, thanks for being here. We are excited to be here, tucked away at this uh, little corner in East Hollywood where most people are just driving by to go somewhere else. So thanks for joining us today. Um, Janelle is going to teach today, and uh, we are so thankful to have her with us. I'm just going to pray for you. So God, thank you for what you're doing in Janelle, and I just ask for more, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brady. Um, so my name's Janelle. You can call me Nellie. And um, it's been a while since I've had the chance to, to teach. I took a year and a half off or something, just because it's good to take breaks. <laughs> it's good to rest from things that are good, you know? Are any of you guys needing to rest from something today? <laughs> just, a, just a plug for rest. Okay. So I want to tell you a little story about me as a kid. So when I was, I would say, four, five, six, seven, in that range, I was a pretty anxious little Nellie. Um, I was very anxious. The, apparently, I was afraid of sirens, vacuum cleaners, pooping sometimes. Sorry for the graphicness. I was afraid of throwing up. That was a thing I was really afraid of. Um, Throat cultures was a big one, and I had to go to the doctors all the time for, for strep throat, yeah. You know where you have to, like, it's the gagging thing, yuck. So one thing that my mom taught me, and I'm so grateful for this, but looking back, it's kind of, there's lots of funny stories that I have. She taught me that it's okay to stop in the middle, wherever you are, and either pray or ask someone else to pray for you. So when I would panic as a kid, no matter what situation I was in, if I really started to panic, I would ask whoever I was with to pray for me. And sometimes this was like the doctor in the doctor's office who was about to give me a throat culture. And doctor was not a praying kind of doctor. And I would be like crying, going, doctor, just pray for me before you give me this throat culture. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And he'd have to leave the room and leave me with my mom to pray with me. Or I would do this with family members who may or may not have been the praying kind. And it's interesting looking back because I feel like I have something to learn from my four, five, six, seven-year-old self. And there's something really beautiful in the vulnerability that I had as a kid to just be unafraid to ask people for help and especially to ask them to pray for me, right? So we're going to look at a passage in Matthew 18 where Jesus specifically talks about kind of this realm. And um, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, if you have one, if you need one, raise your hand and I'll throw you one. Or 
send one by messenger bird, <laughs> or open up your electronic devices, or just look up on the look up on the screen. I like to read it from the actual book sometimes. So we're going through Matthew as a church. We have been for quite a while as a little family. We're taking our time through it because we really feel like the message of the kingdom that Jesus is teaching, in particular in Matthew and all of the Gospels, is something that we want to um, understand. So read this with me. Read it aloud, if you would. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And then we're going to skip to verse 10. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. So this is a fairly classic text. You've probably read it before. You may have heard something along the lines of, we have to become like children before. But let me just disarm you if I can. If you're not a, quote, kid person, or you feel like you don't relate to kids, or kids kind of, you don't, you don't really know what to do with them, this passage is for you. And if you love kids, and you feel very natural with kids, maybe you have kids, maybe you want kids, this passage is for you. And for everyone in between, this passage is for you. I would love to go back to that, that verse where Jesus says, right at the beginning, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, I have... I have a theory. I have a, I have a couple of theories. But when it comes to us and Jesus, maybe just speaking to us as a community right now, we love Jesus. We want to know him more. We're on varying degrees of a journey, maybe into a deeper relationship with him. We don't take his word seriously. And I feel like this passage holds me accountable to this and all of us. Now, why would I say that? This is a pretty extreme edict that Jesus gives. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
This comes at a time when um, a lot has happened. Um, Jesus has been journeying with his disciples, and um, he's already revealed to them that he is going to die. And they ask him this question, okay, so who's going to be the greatest? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And it's this sweet thing that we all do where we, we miss the point with the Lord all the time. And, and Jesus does this very mysterious but super savvy thing with us. And it seems like he doesn't answer the question at all, but instead he flips the whole thing on its head. So in the middle of these guys sort of squabbling about, well, who's going to have the best status maybe when you're gone? So if you're really going to die, what's going to happen to us? You know, this posturing thing that we do, in particular in L.A., where it's sort of, well, what about me? What, what's going to happen to me? And he goes, guys. And he calls over a little one. And he sits the little one in front of them and says, unless you become like this little child, you won't even see the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's a pretty big statement, right? So what does that mean? What does it mean to become like a little child? Now, here's what I think is amazing about Jesus. He's so subversive. He is so smart in how he communicates. He makes this statement about little children to mostly a bunch of men who may or may not have ever taken care of a child, right? So children in the first century AD likely had the same status that children have in 2016 in that they had no social standing, they had no economic power, they had no power at all. In fact, their entire relationship was based on one of need, right? They're completely dependent upon their parents. And in first century, it's most likely that they're most, mostly dependent on their mothers to care for them because their dads were most likely the only ones outside working. So Jesus says to a bunch of men, unless you become like little children, you won't even, you won't see the fullness of me as king. There's another way to kind of look at that statement. So he has this, there's this presumption in this message from Jesus. The presumption is that we will, if we care about knowing God, we'll take time to pay attention to children. And not only that, we'll humble ourselves to learn from them. And that's in 2016 in Los Angeles in an urban context, that's a pretty radical statement. This isn't something that I think the church is really grappling with. It certainly isn't, I think, today. It's one of these messages that always gets reduced to, oh, just have faith like a child and everything will be okay. That's not what I'm here to teach on today. This is much more radical than that. So I, I confess I haven't always been a, quote, kid person, and I haven't always necessarily understood this passage. I think I'm still living myself into it. 
But I will say that um, how do I say this? So I love learning. Learning is very important to me. Uh, Alicia is one of my housemates, and she can attest to how annoying it is that I leave approximately a dozen books in, in my wake at any given point. I'm always reading way more books than I should be, and I always leave them out in our house. And don't put them away. I'm sorry, Alicia. Forgive me. <laughs> but all that to say, the one I've probably learned the most from in the last year is a three-year-old who's in the room today named Vera. And she's wearing this little cupcake dress. Hi, Vera. <laughs> Vera is um, the daughter of Justin and Danielle. They're dear friends. I've known them for a long time. And I get to hang out with Vera probably two or three times a week because I live so close to them and I think I'm like an auntie to her. Hi, sweetie. And I would love to unpack a little bit of what I think this passage means just based off of what I've learned from Vera and how I've been changed by knowing her. So if you would like to learn a little bit about what I've learned from Vera, what it means to be a little child, here's, I'm going to give you four things. I honestly feel like there's 24 things. We could talk about more of this off-site. But here's the first thing that I think I've learned about what it means to be a little child. I've learned that needing help is a state of being. So children, in general, have no apologies with needing help. Children, as part of their identity, they're deeply dependent on their parents and the people who love them, right? And healthy kids lean into this and live it up, right? <laughs> so I'm going to breeze through these four items, and then I'm going to try to translate to you what I think this means for our own relationship with God and what I think this means in what Jesus is saying in this passage. So number two, I've learned that sometimes temper tantrums happen. They just happen. And in a, in a healthy household, it's actually really safe. It's okay to have temper tantrums. It may or may not be fun for all involved, but it is a reality. This is a reality of being a child, especially a little child. Three, playtime is real time. The third thing I've learned from Vera is that playtime actually is the thing. Playtime is actually what life is about, right? So when Vera comes over to my house, she immediately knows where the toys are, and then she also insists on playing my djembe, and she points to the guitar, and she has me grab the guitar, and we jam. The fun thing is, I haven't been playing my guitar much at all, but when Vera comes over, she's basically like, it's time to play, and we make up songs, and it's goofy, and I realize that I'm becoming like a kid when I'm with her, which is actually really sweet, and something that I don't think that we get to experience until we take the time to be with a little, a little one, right? Four. Okay, now this has a story. Um, if we had more time, I would probably have her parents tell this story to uh, give it lots of legs of, of reality. But like me, Vera 
like me as a kid, Vera's had some tough times going to sleep at night. And she's woken up in the middle of the night and starts screaming and has just been really scared. I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but I, I mean, I've experienced this kind of anxiety even as an adult waking up in the middle of the night sometimes. But her parents have been really wise and taught her that when she wakes up and she is, would normally scream and yell for them, that, they, that she can stop and ask Jesus to be with her. She can stop and pray and just ask Jesus to come and be with her. And that that will help her go back to sleep. Now, fun little sidebar. This is actually how I met Jesus personally as a kid. I couldn't sleep. And my mom, I was running out into the living room to ask my mom if I could play instead of going back to sleep. And she said, take three deep breaths, really deep breaths, and then just talk to Jesus. And you'll go back to sleep. And this was actually my first encounter, really, with God as a kid in a very similar situation. Okay, so um, as the story goes with sweet Vera, she takes her parents up on their suggestion and wakes up the next morning and says to them, um, because she didn't scream as much, at least, this one night. (laughs) And they asked her, well, did you, ask, did you ask Jesus to come? And did you talk to Jesus? And she said, yeah. And um, they said, well, what happened? And she said, he came and laid down with me. <laughs> and they said, well, did he say anything to you? And she said, yeah. He was laughing. <laughs> he was just laughing. And they said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And she said, I'm not scared anymore. In fact, she said, I'm not scared anymore. And you can ask her about this story. She'll tell you about it if you give her a little bit of time. And this is honestly something that has been a massive reminder to me that Jesus is here. He's available. He wants to be with us. And he's really happy. <laughs> he's really happy. He is, he is full of joy. The Psalms say, in his presence are the f- f- is the fullness of joy. I think we get this idea sometimes in our warped thinking that God is mad at us or that he's in a really bad mood because we tend to transfer our our idea of God based off of what we knew of our parents sometimes. But Vera is here to remind us that Jesus is here and he's really happy. (laughs) And he wants us to share in his joy. So here's what I think this translates to, because like, this does have to, this has to make sense on the ground, you know? Jesus says, unless you become, unless you become like a child, the NRSV, I think, says, unless you become humble like a child, unless you humble yourself, you're not going to understand the fullness of what it's like for me to be in charge as king. You're going to miss, you're going to miss it, guys. There's a lot more to that, but I'm not even going to go into the depth of what it means to miss the kingdom of heaven. But we're a, we're a community who is fixated on welcoming Jesus as king and understanding what this thing means, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And this revelation about learning from children is a huge part of it. 
It's not something we can just gloss over. So here's, here's basically what I would say this means. So number one, needing help is a state of me being. I think this might translate to this reality. It's really a strength for us to ask God for help. And it, not only that, it's an act of humility for us to ask each other for help. And honestly, guys, I think this is very similar to Vera's experience of asking God for help and mine as a kid. Sometimes we have to call out to God in our, in our weakness and be unafraid and just ask him for help. And other times we have to also ask others to pray for us. Other times we have to ask other people whether or not we feel silly doing it. We really do have to ask people for prayer. I've noticed in my life that the older I get and the, quote, wiser and smarter and stronger I feel, it's, it's almost like my pride has to fall for me to ask somebody to pray for me. It's so, it really does not make sense. This is something that I'm learning from. I'm, this is something I'm learning from Vera. We have to become humble, like children, if we're going to see the fullness of Jesus as king. We have to get comfortable. It has to be our instinct to ask for help. It has to be our instinct to lean on each other. It should be way more normal for me to turn to Alicia when I'm having a rough day and ask her to pray for me rather than comforting myself with like coffee or something, whatever I do. <laughs> it needs to become an instinct in me. I drink coffee really late at night. It's the weirdest thing. It's one of my comfort beverages. So number two, ten, temper, temper tantrums happen. So what does this translate to for us? I think it means we have to be okay with being a mess sometimes. In a city of plasticity and fakeness, to come in the opposite spirit of Los Angeles means we have to be okay with being a mess sometimes. Honestly, I think this means it, you have to be okay with not having it all together, whether that means occasionally crying in public, like I did this week, or occasionally, you know, stopping, having to stop what you're doing to go into the bathroom and just cry out to God because you're not doing well. Whether this means you have to say to your significant other or friend, I'm really not okay, and I really need some space to be with the Lord right now. We have to get more comfortable with being a mess because you know what? Kids are. Kids don't think at all about having temper tantrums. In fact, they're very good at it. They're pros. And I remember I used to have some vicious temper tantrums. I remember pounding my fists on the floor when I was upset about something. Well, here's the thing. I'm obsessed with the Psalms in the Bible. One of the reasons I'm obsessed with the Psalms is that one-third of the Psalms are songs of lament. They're temper tantrums where the songwriter was writing and crying out to God in such agony that it's uncomfortable to read. It's so uncomfortable to read that we never sing those songs in church. And we typically don't even study those psalms because they're so difficult to read. But you know what? That's what God's inviting us, that's the language he's inviting us to use 
in our prayer life and in our community before him. And we're so terrible at this. This is why we don't have a good theology of suffering. This is why the American church is known for lots of things that don't connect with the life of Jesus. And we have to get better at this. So number three, playtime is real time. Now I think that you could translate this into your life in a million different ways. But I think that we have to simplify how we approach life and we really have to learn to play again. Now what does that mean? Well, when I watch Vera play, she is so present and absorbed in the moment and unafraid to make mistakes. She's unafraid to um, color outside the lines. She, when she's learning to play the djembe, doesn't really care if she's doing it right. And this is something that we could learn from kids in everything that we do, in our relationships. We could learn to say to our partners and friends and family members who drive us crazy, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I love you. We could learn to have a spirit that's basically unafraid to fail. Because that's essentially, the, I think, the heart of play, is this discovery. It's why most entrepreneurs who have really made it in the world have succeeded is because they failed a million times and they had this, this childlike fearlessness, right? This is how God is inviting us to live every moment in our work, in our relationships, how we approach him. And last, Jesus is here and he's really happy. This translates to Jesus is here and he's really happy. And if we only walked away from today really thinking about that and remembering it and communicating that to someone else, I think God would be really pleased because this is profound. It's the essence of the kingdom that Jesus is here that we can say, Holy Spirit, come. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And he comes. And while we wait for the fullness of the kingdom to be fulfilled, while we wait in the tension of the both now but not yet, while we experience pain, while we deal with tears, while we deal with excruciating agony of unfulfilled desires and the news that we read every day, we know that Jesus will make things right in the end because we've read the end of the story. We know how, this, we know how the story ends. He comes and he, he will say, behold, I'm making everything new. So this is what it means, I think, in a nutshell, to be changed, to become like children. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he constantly says things that cause us to have to stand in front of his words and say, what does that mean? <laughs> Just like going to the Lakma or the Mocha and standing in front of a piece of artwork that is actually really difficult to understand. The beauty of Jesus and the way he speaks to us is that he invites us to wrestle with these seemingly mysterious passages.
So in our lives, I think he is inviting us, no matter where we are, mom, future mom, never going to be a mom, wherever you are on the gradation of kids in your life, I think he's inviting us to actually find a little one to learn from and to be a part of their lives somehow. Maybe you can only do that in a very tiny way. Maybe you will say, decide you want to help with the kiddos on a Sunday morning. That's fine. Maybe you need some creative ideas of how to do that. I think God will give you some. <laughs> but here's the other really interesting thing about this passage. And this is something I hadn't really thought about before. I think Jesus in this passage is very subtly uh, s- elevating women in his day by saying, you understand something of the kingdom that the ones in power, the men around you, haven't quite gotten yet. I think it was a, a very subtle hat tip to Jesus as a feminist, like a true feminist who truly was elevating women above the culture. Over and over again, he does this in the Gospels. We don't talk about this very often, but we should. <clears throat> so what is, this, what is this really gonna mean for us? How are we gonna walk away from this passage? What I would love to do is um, take some time with the Holy Spirit. Um, it'd be cool, actually, if, the, if some, a couple of the band could come back and play that song, Wonder, and just wait with the Lord. And I'm going to ask him to reveal in our hearts where, like, which one of these four things do we need work on? How can we be changed to become like little children? In Psalm 131, it actually says, the songwriter says, I don't concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful to me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a little child with his mother, like a child who has been weaned. I am leaning up against the Lord. So this is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to ask God to help us simplify the things that we've been making complex in our minds when it comes to him. When, even when it comes to life, Jesus is saying, I'm not, this, I'm not this thing that's out there. I'm not an idea. I'm a person, and I'm, an, I'm, I'm available to you. I'm fully God and fully man, and I'm available to calm and quiet your soul. So we're going to worship a little bit, and then there's going to be There's a couple of us that will just hang out back here. And if you want prayer, you can come back and we'll pray for you. Um, Or if you have someone next to you that you want to take a risk, be vulnerable and childlike, and ask them to pray for you, you can do that too. But let's let this sink in for a few minutes and really ask. Let's ask God to convert our hearts to be like children. And I'm just going to ask him to do that now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know you're here, God. We welcome you 
to do the digging in our hearts and minds. We invite you to turn over stones that need to be turned over and show us how we can be changed to become like little children. God, thanks for the freedom in that even. Thanks that you don't expect us to be perfectly behaved little children. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. We ask for the freedom to know you as a child does. We ask you for the freedom to know you in the simplicity and profoundness that little Vera does. And we ask that we wouldn't leave here different. We, we ask that we would leave here changed and not the same. And we ask that you would open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word and that we would be hungry to spend more time with you this week and to digest your word and to talk with you and to maybe throw a tantrum or two with you. In Jesus' name, amen.